Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you are. You're listening to the All Talk Truck podcast today. We've got uh, Andrew Smyrnas with us from Andrew's Refrigerator Transport. G'day, Andrew. How are you? You might reckon, some of you might recognise that voice. Andrew was with us on the uh, SEMA podcast all those months ago in yeah. uh, early November. So if um, you recognise the voice, Andrew's been on before, but he was co-hosting that day. Was Andrew the one pushing you along in your uh, flat battery moped? Yes, if you remember the uh, story with the uh, the scooters, <laughs> the battery ran out. Um, Andrew was pushing me from behind on the on the footpath. We got some strange looks and through the casino. And, and they thought they thought that's the best synchronised driving we've ever seen. People were making comments. Yeah, and someone went up to the, the, the guest host or the, the counter and said, can we get those double, tandem, yeah, tandem, tandem scooters? So the, we created a market for them. So welcome to the uh, podcast, Andrew, again. Thank you. Um, today it's all flavours of all trucks. Andrew runs a uh, logistics, refrigerated logistics type company. Yes. How many trucks you got on your fleet, mate? Uh, 15 all up, 10 in Sydney and 5 in Melbourne. Big and small, all different shapes and sizes. Small from one pallet up to 22 pallet prime movers and trailers. And they're, they're like they're the big boys on the road, That's like right. your, your, your standard semis? Yes, standard yeah. semis. And you drive the lot? I do. I always sort of get a bit confused as age creeps in to remember where the switches are for exhaust brakes and cruise controls and trailer brakes. Um, they're not the same brand, so... It's always a bit funny. Well, that's the thing. Is it like, I mean, you get into a car, you get a rental car, you get your mate's car, your wife's car, your husband's car, and you got a steering wheel, the gear steering, everything's sort of all there except for the little things. A, a truck's much the same, the cabin. How does um, it work? Europeans, you've got to remember the um, indicators are on the left. Yep. So you often get sort of caught out with that. No, but they are different. Seating position is, is often different. Um, the seats themselves can can really cause some grief. Some are uh, air suspended, which different drivers put them on different settings, so you can be bouncing around unless you tailor it up to where you want it to be. The smaller vehicles don't have those luxuries, so you tend to be looking for all those switches and... That don't exist. That don't exist, so you can spend a good part of about 10 minutes, and you should, when you well, get into a truck to yeah. just sort of remind yourself on where everything is. Well, that's the thing. You've got 15 trucks. You got That means you've got 15 drivers. I do. And not... All of them drive the same truck, I'm assuming. So one day you may hop into John's truck, who who had a different setting. You're right. So um, you're forever playing and, and you getting are. ready. And another another big sort of difference is the steering wheel. Um, the larger trucks have a lot of adjustments that you can make on the wheel. And of course, when you've got all your toggles and things for phone and um, and sound and what have you, it's important that you're in a proper driving position with clear view and able to sort of feel comfortable in what you're doing. Yeah, so it takes a while to get uh, get organised. Do you remember the first time you got in a truck? Like- I, was, I was petrified. Yeah, they're, they're huge and uh, having driven normal cars for all the years that we have, uh, it's only when you get into a truck that you come to appreciate what difficulties truck drivers have when normal passenger vehicles and drivers driving those have no idea of how big heavy slow to respond trucks are compared to vehicles and it gives you a greater appreciation when you get back into a car to give trucks plenty of space mm. and plenty of time yeah i was like that i had a motorbike license i still got the license i don't have the motorbike anymore but even my wife commented at the time we had no kids we used to live in these suburbs and ride around and it was quick and easy park wherever you wanted and when she was on the bike she realized she she realised not all bike riders were maniacs, and she was more aware of where the bike was on the road. And I guess it's the same what you're saying now. You're in a truck. You, when you get back into a car, you tend to appreciate the efforts that are needed, or the stopping distances. Yeah, I, right. I mean, I don't drive trucks, but it annoys me when I, I leave plenty of room in front of a truck because the truck's <clears> got to brake. Then you got guys that cut in yeah. in front of you to to make up that extra. Or people that on motorways or even even normal roads, they dawdle along the blind spot of the truck. Like just go past the truck. Either mm. you're gonna go past the truck or you're not. You know, if there's not enough room, don't tailgate another car and then sit sort of like in a spot where the truck's not going to see you. Be you know, be aware of mm. you know, look ahead and say, well, there's a bit of traffic there. 
and I'm not gonna sit in this spot because if this truck has to break or there's an emergency, he has nowhere to go, you know, because he's not. Can't maneuver. He's, he's, he's not 15 feet long, you know, he's not, he's not a Yaris that he's gonna zigzag. zigzag through, you know, yeah. So it just, you, you, and you see it mainly on the motorways. One thing I don't like is I see a lot of trucks on three lane motorways in the overtaking lane. Buddy, you're mm. limited to a hundred. Why are you there? Are you having got a guest already? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but he'll he'll see that as well. Yeah. But I mean, you've got three lanes. Yeah. Right. At best, you should be in the middle. Yes. There's absolutely no the reason. The truck's doing 98. The other truck's doing 99. Someone's going to have to get. You know, you're, you're in the and, and what happens is he's waiting for a downhill run so he can just sort of like nudge it a bit and okay. Everyone else is sitting on 100. You're going to have to sit on 100 or 95. Yeah. Because then all that's happened is now you've got like a smaller truck Five from years. the 70s plodding along in the left lane. <laughs> you've got a, another truck in the middle lane. And you see it all the time, especially in the mornings on motorways or peak hour. You've got trucks trying to basically, I'm going to do 101. <laughs> There's a real simple fix to that. Up in Queensland between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, if you're in the right lane, the extreme fast lane, you get fined. Truck in a truck. Yeah, I think they're trying to bring that in here. They should. But see, that, that stretch of roads, four or five lanes, you can monitor that, where on a Sydney, Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne, it's just two lanes. You're going to have to overtake eventually. You can't do that on your two-lane type freeway. Yeah, but I don't like trucks trying to overtake uphill. <laughs> yeah. It's always a worry when you see someone pull out in the in the right yeah. lane. You're and, 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 and again, the kind of that is, it's halt, just poor you know? driver training generally in yeah. Australia because you've got two lanes and you've got this, you know... It's driving you, etiquette. You've got, you've, you've got a person dawdling along doing 90-95 with a semi behind him and then the semi's got no choice but to go into the right-hand lane and then all of a sudden, everyone that was going to do 100, 110 to go up the hill, or 115, whatever, push it up the hill a bit, they're all banked they're up. They're all banked up. M5 and tunnel exits. That, yeah. That's exactly. the prime example. That, that's the, bad design, the, not truckies' fault. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, the other point you raise about cars sitting in in certain spots of the truck, there are a lot of blind spots on trucks. A lot of blind spots. And although you've got a different range of mirrors, it, it's, it's one of the biggest dangers driving a truck that you constantly need to be looking at who's where because they can just pop out in an instant and cause you grief. Yeah. I find, certainly in the Sydney traffic, and Melbourne's the same, the prevalence of people trying to overtake in the left lane is getting out of control. Um, it's on motorways or even just on standard? Anywhere, any- anywhere. There seems to be this... Because it's not legal. Leave it on a, on, a, on a main road. It's not legal to overtake down the left. I know, and, uh, you know, fundamentally in a truck... You should be in the middle lane, so you've got that ability should something pop up in front of you to give you options to either swerve left or right and stay away from the curbside gutters because often the gutters might not be straight and you're running pretty close to them and your wheel might sort of uh, nudge one of the gutters and it might throw your steering out. Mm. So fundamentally, you should always be in the middle lane if there is one. But the number of people trying to overtake you on that inside lane is really, really dangerous, and it's becoming more and more common. And these days, you know, I tell my guys, have one eye in their left mirror Mm. constantly to be waiting for that sort of desperado to come past and try to overtake you with parked cars normally in front of you. And the other thing is, you mean, to turn left, you've got to sort of hook it to the right. You do, and you put your blinker on, you know, and they still want to race metres down there. before you want to turn to give everyone plenty of notice, and they're still trying to duck in front of you. Uh, that's crazy. Is there is a technology... Have you got sensors now? I mean, there are blind spots. Have they... Have trucks that sophisticated yet to have sensors where... You, like, you know, in a passenger car, you've got your... I know overseas got the red light in the mirrors... The blind spot monitoring. Do they have that in trucks or on trailers or anything, or is that a luxury? No, they are. I mean, I was test driving a UD Prime Mover now. It's got lane departure, but buzzing. It's got automatic braking. And in fact, it's got a four-stage exhaust brake on that. The uh, dealer that took me out for a test drive, he said to me, I'll tell you when to hit the fourth, the top sort of exhaust brake, because you'll almost fly through the window. And we found a clear stretch of road. He said, okay, work your way through the exhaust brake. And it brought the truck to a 20 kilometre an hour, really quickly sort of slow down. And he said to me, because there's no one in front of us, it brought it down to 20 k's. If there was a car in front of us, it would stop completely. 
And this was phenomenal. I've never, I've never seen, I mean, we've got Mercs and Volvos and that who have good brake retarders in them, but the exhaust brake on this thing was just... What's an exhaust brake? It uses the exhaust of the, the truck yeah. to slow you down. And, and I think cars should have this as well. It, 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 so was it like retards, the yeah. Yeah, it retards the sort of forward movement of the, of the vehicle. Is that when the trucks make that loud noise? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And and I, I don't know why cars. It's like putting a banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. I've seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why they don't bring them into cars because I think it's a useful tool to have. It can slow you down without radical sort of braking. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly with uh, heavy vehicles, it allows you to, let's say you're going down a steep hill, you'll use your exhaust brake, probably in its highest mode depending on what load you've got, and then you feather that with your foot brake, the normal brake, and also your gears. So it saves on the vehicle's brakes because you're not applying them all the time. Mm. It gives you progressive slowdowns as opposed to just hitting the brake with your foot. And the other thing is, like you said, you can hear it. And often when cars are around you and they hear that, they know that you're decelerating. Okay. So... It, it's a sort of it's like driving a Harley, you know, with a loud exhaust. People yeah. hear you coming. Yeah, they know where you are. Yeah. Look in your mirrors because this guy's coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was. Uh, He's trying to slow down. There was there was some footage from South Australia the other day of a um, loaded um, semi going up emergency ramp. I've never seen. Have you been up at a emergency ramp? Thank God. I'll, no, I'll, not I'll, I'll find it and I'll, we'll put it on our I've Instagram never, and Facebook page. Little kids. Mate, this guy had the dash cam going. They heard the like the exhaust brake going on. He's just gone fired up the inside lane and gone straight up the hill. Because down towards Wollongong, they've got the yeah, sand yeah, traps. Yeah. Gosford, they've got the uh, ramps up. Yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to go and see what's at the top there. Yeah. There's nothing I don't know. there. I, I know Trucks that. would have just been left yeah. because I can't <laughs> get them back down. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, that was... Yeah, I mean, you could see some of the drivers, everyone stopped because they were like thinking, this guy, this, he, I mean, he might go, just keep, keep going. going. <laughs> he had a bit of speed. Yeah. Is that an Australian thing? Because I've never really noticed it in any of those countries. I don't know. Have they got they do, they do have them overseas. If if they're on, look, look, the thing is, we've got, our terrain here has always been part of the problem with infrastructure because we've got a lot of hills and mountains. Cliffs and, and the rest of it. The, instead of cutting through and putting tunnels everywhere like they do in Europe, okay, what do we do? Up we, and over. we make semis go uphill and, up and use, over. you know, 100 k's worth of fuel in a kilometre. Mm. That's, you know, That's probably why we don't see it. Yeah. You're right, Europe, there's a lot of tunnels that go you know, through you just You just put a tunnel that's a kilometre long instead of wind, winding around a 10-kilometre yeah. mountain. So, I mean, the best one they did in that one is um, up near Ballina. People are heading north. They'd know that in the old days you'd, uh, you know, drive through that Ballina area and... For a truckie, that's about your 10th hour in your drive from yeah. Sydney north. And that's why you had all the rollovers, because most of the drivers would be pretty fatigued by then. And they'd come up uh, to this hilly, mountainous area where there'd be up and down hills, um, sharp corners. Corners, yeah, I remember that. And they'd, they'd roll. Now they've opened two tunnels up there. They've eliminated that, so yeah. I was up there just recently. cruise through there. It's made a hell of a difference. Yeah. And saving time and, and fuel safety. and, and, and safety. everything. But you're right, it, it's a big country and it just costs a lot of money, I think. People don't understand yeah. how big it is unless you get out there well, in your drive. Until you get across, I mean, for, for, you know, for Sydney people especially, until you, if you're a heavy vehicle driver, until you get really to Bathurst, from Bathurst onwards, it's flat as attack, pretty much. Mm. You know, you know, just animals. You might, you might roll up the hill a bit and you know, roll down the hill, mm. but it's there's no more mountains and mm. ranges and stuff and like that. the roads are pretty straight. Too. Everywhere else, if you're going north, south-ish... Along the coast. It, mate, it's all uphill, downhill. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter where it is. And it's, it's very challenging for heavy vehicle drivers, even not your trucks, even your, your normal drivers... You're going uphill, downhill, around a bend. And if you have a look where a lot of accidents happen, they happen on blind blind crests. Mm. Okay, you've got... With the speed changes. Like, you've got people losing changes. concentration because they've been sitting there or, you know, they're just not paying attention generally or they're on their phone or something. Mm. So, but you, if you do... I mean, you, I, you do the Sydney-Melbourne route often. Mm-hmm. Even though it's dual carriageway, mate, that's curvy, hilly... That's still a challenging road, being in a truck. It is, but it's about 10 times easier than going Sydney-Brisbane. Oh, yeah. You can sit on 100 k's uh, on cruise control, and, you know, the vehicle really won't struggle to 
drop gears or, or whatever, and there's two lanes and there's plenty of um, runoff on either side, so you've got that flexibility. I mean, North is improving with all the major roadworks they're doing, but there are still sections north of Coffs Harbour that are, you know, prehistoric. Mm. And um, it's almost a national disgrace that, you know, in 2000... They're getting there. I, I, I drove up last year... And they're building a massive bridge over that that river yeah, there Cops, through Hexham. They've done. I mean, they've done some great work. The Maxville bypass. If you remember Maxville, yeah. Whenever the holidays would come along, you'd hear about ten, fifteen kilometre delays queuing to cross that's over. That's right. Maxville. Yeah, yeah. That's finished. That was a one up, one back lane over that small. But the bridge. one north of uh, north of Grafton, taking a totally different route. It's not even following the old highway. That's it's, right. Um, they're cutting through and. The sugar canes, the area there. So and that'll be great when that opens. And, the, and if you have your GPS running on that, your sat nav, it goes crazy because yeah. you're always off the sort of yeah, yeah. path that you totally should off. be on. And you're cutting a lot of time. And yeah. I remember the uh, the missing link will be Coffs Harbour. I, I heard a quote from Neville Rand in the 70s when they were proposing a dual carriageway. He said it was cheaper to move Coffs Harbour than it was to build the road around it. Because apparently the terrain there, I mean, you've, where the big banana is, is it's a, the hills are pretty much on the coast. Yeah. You're either going to have to tunnel your way around it or um, go through Coffs Harbour each time. Do you know, Peter, it's funny because the bypasses are great and they add a lot of safety, but you've got to be careful to build infrastructure like major service station truck parking areas where you would normally be pulling up to have a rest break, for example, at Coffs. In Coffs. So if they bypass Coffs, there might be a tendency for truckies to say, well, I'll just keep going. Because that is Maxville Coffs, uh, traditionally the areas where you'd pull over for, for your... For your uh, big break. Big break. Um, but if you're sort of sitting on 100 and, you know, you feel... Feel okay. You feel okay. You've got okay. Keep going, and then you'll get yourself into trouble further down. So, as long as they build where they're bypassing the traditional rest breaks, proper truck parking facilities, yeah, then that's fine. But they've got to be careful not yeah. to forget. I'm, those. I'm not a fan of all these bypasses because it kills local economies. Um, you can see it heading south. You know, I've, you know, I've gone south quite a few times. I don't. Oh, I've, I've only I've only driven. Um, I've driven to Coffs once, Coffs and back, and I've uh, driven back from Brisbane back to Sydney once. Sydney, Melbourne, and stuff I've done many times, Melbourne, Sydney. But um, we you still can just see the. A pie for at Holbrook, we still stop. No, that's right. But we, we, we specifically yeah. stop there. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, if you're traveling north or south, you know, no matter where you're traveling, if you're traveling on motorways and freeways, jump off and have a five minute break, 10 minute break, and. You know, look after the local community. Mm. Buy, buy, get get yourself a pie or a quick bite to eat. Buy a can of drink. Because you know what? 50 people a day do that. There you go. But yeah. all these bypasses, I'm, I'm not a fan. There, there should be... There was. We're not saving that much time by Bypassing building there. bypasses at hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and what, what's the food in the survey? I mean, what's your, what's your go to, Andrew? Oh, look, you know, the KFC is probably the, the go-to safe bet, but... But just on the bypass with the cost law, of course. It's yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting point you bring up, Pete. If you think of a professional truck driver who's complying with his road rule, he or she, we're forced to have brakes in long journeys. Mm. But I hear so many times families say, "Oh, we're driving up to the Gold Coast from Sydney," and when you ask them, "Where are you going to stop along the way?" Most will come back with, "Oh, what do you mean?" or Oh, look, you know, uh, I'm sharing the drive with my wife, so yeah. I'll get out of the car and then yeah. she'll sort of jump in and go for it. The reality of it is, but normal people driving normal cars aren't used to those long distances mm. of concentrated driving. So sometimes when I'm driving up and down, I can see cars and grey nomads and they start swerving in the lane. You sort of wonder to yourself, should brakes be made compulsory for everybody on long journeys? Because a lot of people think that they can do it, mm. but they just can't. And they don't realise they're not until, they're into, yeah, until they get themselves And a lot, of the, a lot of the mercs have their little coffee cup. And a lot of the, yep. I mean, the older mercs would come on after two hours. That was the general rule, the two hours. I know with, I know with the mercs, it does register your driving, not skill or ability, but if the car monitors yeah. that yeah. You're, you are swerving, because they've all got yeah. lane recognition yep. now, these cars, yep. 
that coffee light will come on a lot earlier if yeah. the car recognises that you're driving erratically or not as smoothly. But then you've got to have somewhere to pull over and have that coffee of break. And of that's course. the other problem, you know. Here, compared to America, for example, here we just don't have the facilities. So it costs no. too much to build them and to staff them and man them. I mean, you drive south and you go to Maroolan, and to, they're gradually building the Hannah's Pies or whatever it's called, Heather Bray Pies, that's yeah. right, when you travel south. They're making it more person-friendly because it's a lot of people don't like the, the service station food or Maccas, so it's good that they're yeah. building other facilities. I don't facilities. like Maccas. Not the old days, man. <laughs> <laughs> In the morning. Uh, and, and, that, and time of day as well. I mean, you're, you're, the trucks are going 24-7. Some places shut down at night. They do. We've got long distances in Australia, where in, in Europe and America, you've got cities every couple of hours. You yeah. can pull over and eat something hearty. Where in Australia, we've got long distances. With going back to your road trip, when when we get match ready, I I tend to when we're leaving to go to a destination, I I, I like to leave at four in the morning, mm. and get half the trip done, and then everyone sort of wakes up at eight nine, and then have a breakfast stop, and then just cruise in to the main town because you can't check in till no. two o'clock anyway. And then I tend to, when we leave the holiday to come home, we'll have a nice lunch and leave in the afternoon, stop halfway for dinner, and then the kids will crash at night and get home at like midnight one. Mm. Um, because I also like driving at night. I like driving at night. I mean, I don't know, with, with trucks, you, can, you tend to see more at night ahead. You do. Because you've got the headlights. You can see there's a car coming over the crest. You do. To be honest with you, I try to avoid all my guys driving at night. I feel that um, the propensity to sort of start to get sleepy, get frustrated, and it become dangerous, I think, grows exponentially at night. And there are certain areas and certain times of the year when the wildlife can cause you a lot of grief at night. And so, um, unfortunately, in the heavy industry, we're sometimes forced to make our delivery destinations at 3 or 4 a.m. So the goods can then be put onto smaller trucks and delivered to wherever they need to go in the cities that we're delivering to. And that forces you effectively to do a lot of nighttime driving. Personally, I've tried to move away from that Mm. sort of work to work where basically we um, have found accommodation spots that are truck-friendly um, heading both uh, to Brisbane and Melbourne primarily and uh, I tell my guys to leave early in the morning and then to park up at uh, sunset or close to it, get a good night's sleep and then wake up early in the morning and mm. go to their drop-off point. And touch wood, um, I think that's made them feel more comfortable and safe as drivers. Certainly makes me feel safe when I go to bed at night knowing that my guys are sleeping as well mm. In a motel room somewhere. Having said that, um, particularly the European trucks have fantastic um, accommodation for the drivers in terms of the their cabins. Guns, the back, cabins. Yeah. They've gone a long way to sort of improving the ventilation, the um, little TVs you can mount, videos, music, the lighting, you can have mood lighting in them. Because those cabins are above the engine. They are. So in the old days, if you went to sleep in there, you'd be sweating. That engine dot doesn't just switch off. No. It doesn't cool down. Instantly, yeah. So you're saying the ventilation is like like an aircon system that doesn't run off. Yeah, power well, or correct. All those, uh, but you can add all the additional sort of aircons for the the big prime movers, which uh, run off a trickle sort of battery okay. power and um, provide that additional comfort. Uh, but the mattresses, I mean, all the creature comforts have become so good now. Yeah. That certainly the European trucks compared to the Japanese are night and day in relation to long distance driver safety and driver comfort. That's probably because of the country. I mean, Japan is not as a yeah. big country. The, the need for overnight trucks is limited. Yes. Compared to Europe, you're yeah. covering large distances. Large distance, yeah. So what sort, of, what sort of cargo do you haul? Are you allowed to say? Um, have you signed disclosure statements? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have hired all the customers out there. Um, Anything from uh, minus 25 to plus 25. We've uh, geared up all the fleet to be able to have um, temperature zones within that range. So it could be frozen medicine. Do you have to know what's in your cargo? Or it could be illegal migrants. That's what I was going to say. Do you, do you know, like if I give you a box, Andrew, I've hired your truck to deliver this box to Melbourne. Jeez, Peter, you're paying me a lot of money. Uh, do you ask, well, is there a declaration, is there a form, is there a log sheet? Like, how does it work? 
last October, they introduced new laws called the chain of responsibility. What that does is it places on every person in the chain from the person who makes the goods to the person that receives them to be responsible for their handling and their care. We don't inspect what we're given, but we're given a comprehensive list by the person we're picking up from. So it's their responsibility to tell us what we're transporting. Um, Our responsibility is to get it from A to B. We don't need to inspect the freight to see that it is what it should be because now this law places an onus on everyone to be honest about what's happening. And that takes a a, a lot of load off our shoulders in that respect because... We don't need to be sort of conscious. It's also becoming quite common now, certainly with sensitive freight, that they put seals on the doors, Mm. which have numbers, and they relay the number onto the receiving party. So when you get there, the receiving party will check the seal number against what they've been told, and if it's okay, then you... That's like the whole uh, $5 note in half. That's right. (laughs) And it matches. (laughs) (laughs) But you you need to know what you can, because your your niche is refrigerated. There's certain goods at certain temperatures, and if they don't tell you, well, you can damage the goods in transit. And more so when we're shifting hazardous goods as well, we need to sort of be aware what hazardous goods yeah, they are. for accidents and things, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, what sort of uh, safety equipment you need to have in the truck for those hazardous, because different, different hazardous goods have different safety yeah. equipment. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Well, so with the chain of command, it's interesting. Last Monday, roadside, I had to call roadside to pick my car up. They picked it up, saw it, go on, no dramas. I got a call from the dealership a couple of hours later that the towie scraped my front bar pulling it off the tow truck. I went down there, checked it out. Yeah, a couple of big scrapes underneath. I called roadside because my I've got no contract with the towing. Mm-hmm. I've called roadside. You organised it. They've palmed it off to the towing company. Subby. To say, well, they'll be in touch with you. What do I have to deal with them for? I pay you. Yeah. You pay them. They took it somewhere else. Now, it's been tomorrow's a week. So tomorrow will be a week since it happened. So they said three to five days someone will be in touch with you. There's still no reply. Um, look, you're on tow truck drivers. No, 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 no. Sometimes, but, but it was interesting right, you said the change of but people the chain have of to command. Be, people have to want to do the right thing within that framework. That's correct. You know, so you can have the law there, but if someone's trying to dodge their responsibility, as it sounds like they might be yeah. doing here, it, it makes it hard. Yeah. Um, all I want to know is who's has your driver said yeah. he did it all? Because it, it's quite possible that he dropped it off. It was fine, and one of the buffet grease, uh, grease monkeys. <laughs> has jumped in my car and bottomed it out. Mm. It, it could have happened. Yeah. And then they're going to say, blame the towie, yeah. right? It's three of us and one of him. And so all I want to hear back is, I didn't do it. Mm. Now, if I was going to get that reply back, I should have got it back on Tuesday because they would have called the towie and said, mate, did you yeah. did you drop this guy's front bar off the tow truck? And he would have said, fuck no, it wasn't me, right? So when it goes for four days and you don't get a denial, I'm starting to think, well, you drop my front bar. They're hoping that you'll go away, but you're not the that's top. Right. No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, I, I actually said to the, to the guy at roadside, I said to him, I'm not your average Holden owner and my IQ's over 50. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they also don't know what it costs. You know, we one of my guys... Three had, grand. Well, yeah, one of my guys... Supply and fit is three grand for a new uh, front splitter because it's a, a complete one-piece assembly with a grill and everything. One of my guys had his driver's side mirror broken on a Merc Prime mover. And Sky Road was the company that whose driver backed into it and smashed it. So we contacted them and we said, listen, you know, your guy was admitted to it. He's his mm. details, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, mate, what's the big deal, you know? Like, we get our mirrors broken, we break mirrors, just wear it. I said to them, that'd be fine, you know, but uh, Mercedes-Benz have quoted me just under a 1,000 to supply and fit it. Yeah, yeah. But more importantly, we've got to do it because we can't drive without it. And so... It's almost like a defect. That's right, you know, so the cost of these parts are cheap. So you just hope everyone does the right thing. I know, I know. Um, I wanted to ask you about the licensing. How do you get a how do you get a truck license? Is it just a reverse park and a computer test? Um, <laughs> There's a place at Liverpool where you go. Yeah. Right. They drive around the block a couple of times with some concrete blocks. You'll see the, the leather truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, they got a bus now as well. I'm going to do it just to drive the bus. You'll do the bus. I just want to do the bus course. <laughs> I reckon we should do we should do the courses right. <laughs> 
<laughs> just so we can report back. I want to drive the bus. Because I've seen the bus, because the, the route that the bus takes is the route that I do the kids' school drop-offs, <laughs> right? So I see them there all the time, and I see this guy trying to get going at the bus stop, right? So I, I want to do... You want to do the bus? I want to do the bus. You do the truck. I'll do the truck. Ross is not here. We're, we're going to allocate Ross to um, Who goes up? We'll get him on excavators. We'll give him one of those skid steers. <laughs> <laughs> really confusing with four handles. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I think we have to and just to make sure budget. we'll move the left and the right stickers <laughs> <laughs> swap them over but like I mean is it hours is it do you put your L's at the back of the truck and your dad gets next to you I mean how, how, did, how does it work um, you've got to go to there's two parts to it there's the um, computer test which you need to do and pass before you go and you do your driving part of it but, but Pete I think you're right I think it's too easy I think um it needs to be sort of made a lot tougher to pass and get your license because there's so many clowns out there driving around that you think these guys couldn't drive if their life depended yeah. on it. But the problem is other people's lives depend on them. Yeah, yeah, thing and that's the danger. I, I had a, f- a friend of mine who was coming off the M7 up, uh, up at uh, Preston's up the Never Road where um, Scott's, Scott's refrigerate. Yeah, right. So uh, he was coming from the north so he was in the in the left hand lane there was a, a, a B double in the right hand lane now the B double should have placed himself in the middle of both if he wanted to go left or right really at, at that as the car started moving forward my mate was way back but it was still in line with the B double as the car started moving forward he saw that this guy's put his indicator on to go left so he didn't move he let all the cars go and and waited. Mate, he's just gone and done a sharp turn and got the front of the car and dragged it. up. Yep, right. Now, the cops turned up, didn't do anything. A month later, they said I made an infringement for not giving way to a turning vehicle. But I was standing still. Yeah, but you should have stopped well before him. Mate, it was in the right-hand lane. How, like, all this room to move. It was an import driver. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But insurance did write his car off, eventually. Oh, good. Because what happened was... Even though the, the damage was very minor. It was only like front guard and uh, scrape on the bumper and the mirror. But when it got repaired, the car developed a static noise. This is in the Volkswagen. Wasn't yes. It? yes. The car developed a static noise. You know, you get your static through your radio yeah. in the old 70s cars. Yeah. It, if you went over a bump, static, if you... I think the insurance company leaned on the dealership to say this is normal with the golfs. The parameter, yeah. Right? It's within parameters. It's like, well, okay, mate, you've got about 15 of them in the yard. Let's take them for a drive and see how many of them do the same thing. So in the, in, in, eventually it went to uh, the ombudsman. The ombudsman said, mate, it's not normal because they had their own people look at it. And they said, fix it or give them a new car or pay them out. Yeah. Mm. But whatever got hit, something obviously has is touching somewhere. Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. So an innocuous little accident cost them, you know. The whole car. Yeah. But the insurance company laid the blame squarely on the the uh, trucking company. His own insurance. Yeah, yeah. Right. they they didn't they didn't um, that was a not a top thing. So there, there's a great link. I don't know if you can get on it. It's called Foxlink. The High Patrol have it, okay. and uh, we get emails from them two or three times a week. And it shows what the Highway Patrol have pulled up. Um, trucks, defective trucks, uh, trucks overloaded, trucks not carrying weight properly secured, accidents. And it, you just look at these photos that in, they're included as part of the... Part of the yeah, it's, it's like a, de- a deterrent for you, you guys. You pull your hair out, you know, when you see how some vehicles are loaded or how some vehicles have absolute ball ties and they get pulled up randomly yeah. and you... Sort of, you know, think oh, they're out there on the road, you know, with the general public. Yeah. That's right. And, and I was going to talk to you about the, 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 I mean, trucks are heavy. There's weight at the back. But the way the weight is, or the cargo is loaded, makes a huge difference as well. Absolutely. And that's part of your um, knowledge and driving test. Uh, when you sit for a knowledge test, you're asked questions about how would you stack certain loads and where you'd put the loads and how you'd secure them. Two components where to stack them and how to secure them properly. And again, when you're doing a proper course, not by some dodgy sort of operator, you are forced to secure loads, usually they might be concrete slabs or whatever, using chains, using ropes. So it's not just driving an enclosed pan tank as a truck that you get your license for, but you're forced to 
secure a load using all sorts of the usual things that you see loads strapped down by. And unless you pass those, you don't ultimately get your, your vehicle. So despite the fact that you might only be um, driving a rigid-bodied vehicle, yeah. a fixed-bodied vehicle, you need you to still know, know how to load. all the other things. So when you off. turn up to a, a poor body, when you uh, uh, to get the cargo loaded, who's the boss? The driver or the guy with the forklift? The driver. The that That's where our chain of responsibility kicks in. We're responsible for our load. We're responsible where it goes and how we secure it. And so we tell the forky, mate, I'd like you to sort of give me those really big pallets first because I've got to put them over the axles, and if they're smaller pallets, I'll put them so in. So the, the driver knows what he's picking up. Yeah. He's got a run sheet. He'll know that he might be picking up, for example, 20 pallets. It might not specifically say that one's 10, ton, 10 pallets one's one are 1.8 yeah, yeah, yeah. and 1.2 tonnes. So he's going to make a judgment yeah. call then and there. So you, you sort of, you're responsible for stacking and putting the load in your vehicle. Wow. That, that's in theory what should take yeah. place. But because then, when you go over the way bridges, if, if as you know, they look at the weights over the axles. Yeah, they don't. That, yeah. It doesn't so, determine whether it's all on one side, which, that's will, right. which will make a rollover if you turn the corner and all the weights that's on one right. side. Yeah. And they, they can ping you by saying to you, you're sort of underloaded on the rear, you've got not enough weight there, you've got more of it up okay. front, and they can charge you for it. The, the course, so you do normally, you, well, not normally, you have to do the um, computer-based test, the knowledge test. Yep. If you pass that, then you go and you do your driving test, depending on what licence you want to get. The driving test could be a one-day course, or it could be a two-day course. Mm-hmm. Usually, at the end of that day, um, the driving instructor will say to you, we're now going to do the examinable part of the whole exercise. And the driving instructor will then tell you, you know, turn left, turn right, go here, go there, whatever. And that can last for an hour, hour and a half. And that person's monitoring what you're doing. And at the end of it, he'll say, well, I failed you because you forgot to put your blinker on. Or yeah. Didn't notify, you know, give notes for that. We ran over that cyclist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which and cyclist? Yeah. What cyclist? What cyclist? What cyclist? That yellow bike that sits on under a tree. I thought that was a witch's hat. <laughs> but, you know, the toughest thing, I think, with the driving of large vehicles, from my experience and seeing my guys as well, it's the, the reverse parking, how to properly reverse park into a small space, a large vehicle. And also just your ability to position your vehicle as you're driving mm. so that you're in the safest place as possible. Mm. And you're not either in the left lane or right lane or whatever, but you are just driving slowly. And, and knowing that, that should apply to all drivers. Yeah. I mean, you should be looking one car, two car, three cars ahead. You know, is the traffic slowing down? You know what you I know. saw? And I drove past the intersection yesterday and the traffic light is still not repaired. But about two, three years ago... I saw a, a tipper truck had its. It was. He oh, must have bumped the button. It yeah. was rising up, and as he left, <laughs> he took out the over the overhead traffic light. It's still missing that traffic light after two years. But, uh, That's common through the Harbour Bridge. Yeah, yeah, they often close the bridge because yeah. people. But bloody it's always them. the way. Like you get two, you, you get three lane, you know, arterial roads, and two lanes have come to a stop. That being the the outside two lanes, the inside lane is you know probably a left turn lane down the street, so no one's there. And then some bullfed decides, I'm going to sneak through. Okay, that's fine. And then the other bullfed going down the left, like, mate, everyone has stopped in the other two lanes. Slow down. And they go straight through an intersection, because, and there's a car turning. Mm. Mate, mate, drive to the conditions. Everyone yeah. has slowed down. As you get to that break, slow down. Yeah. Not, yeah. Don't go through there at 60. Because no, no, as, as a highway right. patrol officer once said to me, Yes, you can do 60 in a 60 zone and 100 in a 100 zone. You can still get pinged for not drive to safety conditions, conditions or yeah. whatever it was. That's right. right. It's not a 60 zone anymore when it's peak hour, everyone has stopped, and you think, I can just send it up the inside lane. The, the other thing, if I could just say, which always makes me sort of laugh, GPS, sat nav. When you're driving around, you're hearing talkback, and there's a never-ending list of, oh, overhyped truck, has caused mayhem on the M5 or Harbour Tunnel or whatever. And you know deep down that the clowns driving are using their car phone, sat-nav, which has no truck-specific sort of details, and they're driving the truck like they drive their car. The more modern sort of uh, sat-navs on certainly the more expensive trucks 
have satin as where you punch in your truck details. And it knows how long is it, how high is it, heavy. what sort of weight, and it'll manoeuvre you to all the legal roads that you can move that vehicle. And that's fantastic. It should be compulsory, I think, on every truck because it would take yeah. the, the guesswork yeah. out of it. It is. I mean, uh, truck drivers get a lot of blame for a lot of... It's simple stuff. It's got a yeah. bit of planning, a bit of care. I mean, you're the boss. Time deadlines, is that from the company? Is that from the top down? Like you said earlier, you, you make your drivers leave early. So obviously, you, it sounds like in, in your company... You're giving them pretty flexible arrival deadlines, uh, times, yeah. call it what you will. Look, we've moved away from that cutthroat grocery store business where, you know, your Woolies and your Coles and your Costco's and your Aldi's have time booking slots and if you're not there, they give you 15 minutes grace or a half an hour grace either side of that booking slot and if you're not there, they tell you to do a U-turn and go away. That's got to be fixed. It's just unrealistic with the traffic that we have now in the cities to expect uh, truckies to sort of get from A to B because the GPS on your phone says it should take you 15 minutes to get from A to B, you know, driving a truck. It just doesn't happen. So those those time frames are really tough. And the other thing that, you know, sometimes I scratch myself, my head guys, my head guys, is, <laughs> is that scratch my head guys, is that a lot of places close early. A lot of places will stay, we're shutting down at one o'clock. you got to get in here before one. What time do you open? Six. So companies aren't paying overtime. Companies are reducing work hours. And they expect all the truckies to sort of get in and out there. In confined time frames, they often sack their forklift. They don't have two or three forklift drivers. They've got one poor person there who's copying abuse from everyone. Everyone's banked up waiting for him. Yeah, and you'll see it. You'll see trucks banked up on the street outside sort of main distribution areas waiting, it's dead time, waiting to meet these fictitious booking slots which you never get to mm. because there's always 15 trucks in front yeah. of you when you get there. Yeah. So do you, so as a company, do you try to, so you know which wholesaler, which yeah. company, so you try and avoid those contracts? And that work, yeah. We, yeah. We've stayed clear of them now. Um, we get bombarded Easter, Christmas when, you know, there's a mad sort of shortage. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, but, yeah, we're sort of moving into work where the warehouses aren't uh, super full yeah. and uh, we know what we're doing. Oh, well, Andrew, mate, thank you for that insight. I mean, this is stuff... I didn't bore everyone. No. <laughs> no, it was, it was very, it was, that's was one great. of our better... Uh, well, we've got some good ones, but that's very insightful. It's we, a, it's, we, yeah, it, it, I mean, the purpose of this podcast is to bring in... We're all sharing the same road. We're all driving. I know it's a car podcast, but I like to bring in a, a, a truck's driver's perspective on what's happening on these roads. We're all sharing the roads. I don't know if we'll bring a cyclist in, but we're going to... <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll just go grab one off the street one day. But, um, yeah, it's just an, an insight into how it works. And, and, and the purpose of, of interviews like today is for a driver to be more aware of trucks. Give them the space. It's, the road is there to share. I know that's a, a, a line from an you know, advertising campaign. But we've, got a, we've all got the same amount of lanes same amount of space. The road doesn't get bigger certain hours a day. It's the same road. Be courteous. Make space. And if it all flows, it works. And if you want to be the dickhead that cuts someone off or block a lane because you're going straight in a left-hand lane and stuff everyone up, it just causes mayhem down the line that you may not notice when you when you leave. And truck drivers are the same. I mean, they're carrying the food, the medicine, the drinks you want to go and buy. The chocolates. The chocolates are for Easter. They're, got, they're, 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 buying, they're, they're bringing you things that you're going to either buy or they're delivering to you because you've already ordered on bloody Amazon. So so thank you for coming in and providing that insight. Um, we've got time. Speaking of mayhem. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of mayhem. I was going to say, before we go, I was going to say, when you next sort of see a truckie, rather than stick your finger up to him and give him the bird, just wave to him. Yeah. You know, okay. I try and do that. I always make the track. Look, I, 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 I'm going to... Everyone makes mistakes on the road. And I always put my hand up. Yeah, yeah I do that. I always too. say yeah, sorry. Yeah, you know, sorry. You know what? Because I know it happens to me. People make a mistake. If they say sorry, because while I'm cursing in the car, if yeah. they say sorry, you think, right, he said sorry. Yeah. If they don't say sorry, it's like it sends you next yeah, level. Yeah, they give you the bird or you something. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I always <laughs> say anyway, sorry. Back to the mayhem. <laughs> Ross isn't here. He's missed out. <laughs> right. Roscoe, you don't know what you missed out on. Right. So on Wednesday night, I finally managed after... 
we've had the car for what, 15 months now. This is a car you want to keep stock. Yeah, right? Well, it, it's the, the mods we did, the mods we did to this car were very simple, right? It was basically change the air intake, we put some larger injectors in it, make sure it gets fuel. Let me get Andrew in the loop. He's filming his HSV GDSR. Okay. In Kermit right. Green. So we did the airbox, we did the injectors, we put a bottom, larger bottom uh, pulley on it, um, and a set of headers, and basically gave it a tune. We head out to Eastern Creek. I've been to Eastern Creek for close to 20 years. Yeah, I haven't heard and, you talk about Eastern Creek for a long time. No, I haven't been. Uh, the, the last time I raced there was in the early 2000s at the old racetrack. Not, not the new one. So I went out there with my um, good mate Oz from Independent Mobile Mechanics. He did the work for me and CNV Performance did the tune. Shout out. Right, shout outs, boys. <laughs> All right, so went out there. He gave me, he said, look, do this, do this. Put in manual mode, second gear, start your burnout, shift into third, drive through the water, get a bit of... And I was running my standard street tires. No, no slicks, no special compounds or anything. Went 11.25 out of the box wow. on road tires. And then, and this, is my two, this is a two-ton road car that I just rocked up at the track with. And the engine's not running yet. How many Ks? 1,200 Ks. 1,200 Ks. It's got 1,200k. It's still a new car. So we went out and backed it up with an 11.19 and an 11.18. And I was, mate... And how's hanging to put it up on Instagram? Yeah, we're going we're we're gonna gonna to put, put the run up on our Instagram page this week now that uh, we've spoken about it. <laughs> um, so what did I do on... Uh, so I went home after that. It was, you know, that's it. It is what it is. It's the, the mile an hour topped out at 125. It's not going to go any faster. So I went home and as soon as I got home... You got the bug. Got the Samsung tape. Got it out and started yeah. looking at more parts. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're not going to open the engine up, right? We are not touching internals. This is all about making the car breathe better and make more power using what it has because it's a very it's a very able engine. That's right. Um, so, so we're looking at what they call a ported snout for the supercharger and a ported supercharger. So just... They clean the inside of the supercharger up the castings, port it, polish it, open it up a bit, more airflow. We're going to put an interchiller on it from uh, forced induction interchillers. It's full of plugs today. An interchiller. The interchiller uses the factory air conditioning and basically you have to put a bit more gas in it as well now. But your cabin temps stay the same or less, but it plums into my supercharger to intake system. So when, when I was leaving the line post-burnout, my intake temps were 35, 40 degrees, mm. right? And as you go up the track, they're going to keep climbing. Your timing gets knocked back because the, the, the computer's saying, mate, it's getting a bit warm under here. You're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not going to do this today, mate. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to dial it back a bit. How about minus five all the way through? Wow. Right? So it basically keeps it all chilled. That's your inner chiller. This is an Australian company here in Sydney, right? They've got patents pending on this. Okay. So um, a lot of cars running it and they make them for different vehicles as well, not just the HSVs. They turn around and like you're running like minus five. Even without more mods, you can run a bit more boost and the car will make power all the way through. If you pick up a couple of mile an hour, you're straight into the tens. So, and that's without going to slicks or any anything fancy. So six to eight weeks, we will have another mayhem meeting. Oh no. He's, he's <laughs> oh no. He's turned it to Ross. He's going to modify the car. Well, Ross, will modify oh, Ross just wheels. buys tires and wheels. <laughs> I went shopping this week. I've got my new car. I dropped hints last week with a Porsche cup. Yes. Went back to Porsche. Got a uh, white Macan. The update. Macan 2, they call it. No, no diesel. We made the mistake two years ago with uh, buying the diesel. So The petrol S, it's a 290 S. kilowatts now? I, I, I don't know. I didn't see, but it goes all right. I haven't really pressed it much in sports. Still, Porsche reckons the engine's already running. Um, I did launch it for, for Ross, so I get I haven't asked Ross what it sounded like, but you can tell us next episode. But <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a family car. But with the petrol engines, a lot it revs out a bit more. It's a bit freer than the diesel, not as a, as economical, but it's um it's a good car. I'm pleasantly surprised. It it goes feels still feels like a big GDI. It doesn't feel like an SUV. Mm. Just feels like a wide GDI. It's it's um it's a nice awesome. car. We'll get um, photos and updates on that as we go along. But I'm not modifying it. So we're keeping that as standard. Um, Andrew, thank you for coming. I was going to say, did you yeah. get my little message about Tuesday night? 
they're launching the new night. Yes, yes. Um, I've we've got uh, Porsche coming on in the next week or so. Okay. To yes. uh, talk to us. We're going to build the car. Oh uh, yeah, we're <laughs> we're going to. <laughs> we might as well uh, spill the beans, but we're going to have Porsche um, come on the uh, program. And while I'll be interviewing them, either Halil and Ross can have a competition to see who can spec out the most expensive. We're going to pick up a car. We're going to we're, yeah, we'll pick up a car. We'll pick up a, a car. base McCann yeah. S and, try... and see how far we can load it up. Because sometimes you pick an option and it drops an option. We're going to see who can build the most. I'm going to see if I can build a 911 priced McCann. McCann. S, based, based S. on the S. Yeah, based on the S. See if we can get the 200. Because I went around and they, they showed me, there's a million of one, a myriad of options. Yes. There was one, it was a $3,800 option. It was a leather strip on top of the dashboard. Yeah. Like, two, yeah, but you know they killed that Like cow. about 10 centimeters long and wide. Yeah, that's because they killed the cow for you specifically. <laughs> but you can't even tell it's there. $3,800. Oh, look at that. At 200Ks, the height of green, you might get sort of less sun glare oh. on your eyes or something. I don't know. So <laughs> I thought to myself, let's get on the, the configurator. Let's see what the boys can do while we do this interview. And uh, let's see if they'll take the order. Okay. Done. And let's Bye. see if I get my front bar fixed by then. We'll see. I just like, you know, uh, an old school mechanic once said to me, um, the best way to go fast is to take weight out. So from the GDSR, you drop three or 400 kilos out of that car by no, no, taking your seats out for, no. the, for just when you go dragging. No. I want to go, I've got a time in mind that yeah. I want to go on my street tyres. This is a really tough street car now and a lot of the responses I've got online um, have been, that is a very tough street car because it went out there in street spec. Spare wheel in the boot, half a tank of fuel. I'm surprised just, they let you run the drag yeah. with a spare wheel in the boot. Yeah, spare wheel. I bolt it down. Secure, secure against yeah. the boot. You know, we ran it with BP98 in it. Passenger Okay. <laughs> Right, no, so that, but I mean, this is a car with yeah. heated seats and everything. Yeah, like it's yeah, a yeah, yeah. sunroof, yeah. so it's not even a standard shell. I've still got my, you know, the added weight of the sunroof. I had the spare wheel in the boot, so I was, I was really pumped. We'll have to do a it's night a out. Time, the, ne- the next one, we will do the podcast. Yeah, so we'll do the podcast. So on Wednesday yeah. night, you went up there. Wednesday night, Wednesday yeah. Night, yeah. So, so there we go. All right, well, let's call it a wrap. We're, we're nearly into an hour, which is great. Uh, shout out to Morgan Luke. Who uh, reviewed us on iTunes from the Central Coast? Yes. So, g'day out there. G'day. G'day. Central g'day. Coast. And I suppose you drive past there nearly every day. We'll honk the horns as we'll we honk go the past. Horns. <laughs> Any plugs, Andrew? No, nah, just, just be safe on the roads. Safe on the roads. Look out for the Andrew's refrigerated transport that goes past. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, download us on Can't Spotify, help. Shout Engine, iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher Castbox, Anchor. New ones, ones this week. Yeah, they're the ones I <laughs> Fantastic. <know>. So, and <laughs> rate us and review us. Thank you for listening, everyone out there. If you've got any other ideas, send us emails at alltalk at outlook.com.au. Send us through some ideas. Uh, we've got a few things coming in the pipeline. Our next podcast is about photography, how to photograph nice. your car. So that's coming up next episode. And uh, there's a couple of more little treats coming up, including Porsche. So thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Hal. Thank you, Peter. Enjoy your weekend, uh, Ross. And um, talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye.